Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey guys, Lisa Stanley here, your Renta Yenta. And on today's episode of What Goes On Around Here, we have a king. Yes, he's the king in the Broadway hit show Hamilton. His name is Rick Negron, singer, dancer, actor, excellent cook, yogi, pretty much jack of all trades. Oh, and did I mention my friend? So let's roll out the red carpet for the king. Welcome, King George. How are you, Lisa? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm all right, good. Let's, let's tell everybody because it just seems like everybody that comes through these uh, doors over here are friends of mine. And so uh, full disclosure, Rick and I are very good friends because he's married to my childhood friend, Leslie. Leslie Sachs. Hi, Les. <laughs> All right, but let's get into uh, your world so people can, when they come to see Hamilton, they're going to know who they're actually seeing under that crown and scepter and, and big old cape that well, you get now, to wear. Now they will because I'm being interviewed by you. Yeah. Everybody knows now. <laughs> All right, so you are actually Puerto Rican. Not only are you descent Puerto Rican, but you were born and raised in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. Now I, your dad is Puerto Rican, but mm-hmm. your mom is uh, Caucasian, born in Ohio. Alice Josephine Jones. You don't get any more American than that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But she did move from Ohio when she met your dad, right? Actually, to Puerto she went, Rico? Yeah, she went down there before she met my dad because her dad was in the military and he was down there working at a at, at uh, one of the local jails. He had a criminology degree. Anyway, long story short, she went down there to be with her dad after she graduated from high school and she just fell in love with the island. This is like Puerto Rico back in the mid-50s, which was pretty magical. And was she a drama teacher on the base? Um, no, well, she was, yeah, uh, you know, after she she met my dad in Mexico City and blah, 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 they ended up in Puerto Rico, had four kids, and getting him through school, she worked as a teacher uh, part-time, and then uh, she ended up working as a teacher full-time. She was history, English, and Spanish, but her after, uh, extracurricular teaching was, she was the drama teacher. That was her first love. Is that where you got the bug? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. She played the organ at church and we all sang and and then she, of course she loved the theater and and so from an early age yeah we were well i know to that. that your first stage debut was when you were 10 years old yeah yeah tell my, us about that um mom <laughs> thought you know she was she heard about this professional production being done in san juan and she wanted to take her her drama class to go see a real live professional audition so she was going to go talk to the producers and i kind of tagged along i was 10 and lo and behold this musical that they were auditioning was for kids were were basically in the cast and I said mom I want to go up there and sing and uh, lo and behold I did and I got the job and the rest is history. <laughs> right? And then you made your first TV appearance at 15, dancing on some popular show, right, in Puerto Rico? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did a, we did a lot of, after that first show, we did a lot of community theater and children's theater. And I got involved with uh, a, a choreographer who had a dance studio in town. And she saw that I had ability. And she said, come, you got free classes at my dance studio. I started taking jazz, ballet, tap, and modern, and whatever she taught. And I fell in love with it. 
And then I actually became, by the time I was like 15, 16, I was a pretty good dancer. And uh, other people saw me in other dance classes and they said, hey, would you mind being a backup dancer for the singer? And lo and behold, it was like this, the the, like the top TV show on Saturday nights, this singer named Iris Chacon. She wasn't much of a singer. She was more of like a... a like a, a charo? Yeah, like a bombshell. You know, she wore... Yeah, scantily clad, <laughs> showing a lot of skin. And let me tell you, in San Juan on Saturday nights in the in the late 70s, the place would shut down because everybody was watching her show, especially all the men, because she wore <laughs> barely nothing and she was beyond curvy. Imagine J-Lo on steroids. I mean, oh. the, she was really curvy. Wow. Well, yeah. there you go. Uh, that'll that'll, that'll uh, have any boy wanting to dance and sing, I'm sure. Yeah, it was probably the only straight dancer that she ever had too <laughs> <laughs> all right so you leave the island when uh-huh. you're 18 yeah and you go to college mm-hmm. and was sarah lawrence is that where you went yeah yeah an odd choice i know but I know, uh, it is isn't well, it? It, yeah i, I think nyu or somewhere where you could use your talent I, I i i actually applied to those schools and but then sarah lawrence uh, uh was suggested by uh, a teacher of mine in high school who had gone to yale and she had a a, a a roommate that had gone to Sarah Lawrence and she said, you know, it's a really good school and they have a great theater department and a great music department and a great dance department and I really wanted to delve into all three. I didn't want to be in the drama department taking singing for for uh, for actors or, so, or dance for actors. I really wanted to get in deep. And this was a school that gave me the flexibility. There were some musical theater schools out there, but they weren't close to the city, and I wanted to be close to the city. No kidding. And Sarah Lawrence was a half-hour train right away, so it was perfect. Okay, and then after, was it after college that you got the scholarship into the dance company? Uh, yeah. I, my first thing, I was actually doing a, a, a year in New York that they offered that at Sarah Lawrence, an amazing uh, program, and I got a scholarship at that an Ailey School of Dance, and um, and I was there for a solid year, and it was great training. And by the time I graduated from college, I was I thought I was going to be a, a concert dancer. I actually, auditioned for the Paul da- Taylor Dance Company, and I I was an apprentice there for a while, and I thought for sure I was going to get into the company. And then I realized these guys are working so hard, and they're making so little. <laughs> It was, it was unbelievable. Not something you to do. It was not something, <laughs> and I realized that my first love was was musical theater, and that's really what I wanted to do. And so I went and auditioned for Cats. That was uh, the was hot show first, back then. Was that your first Broadway play? Um, actually, it wasn't because they had they had already opened on Broadway, and this was for the national tour, and that was my first big audition. I remember standing in line with like five hundred other people, you know, uh, on like Forty Seventh Street somewhere, and auditioning, and I didn't get it. I had like four callbacks, uh. but my first Broadway show was a show called Leader of the Pack. It was a not a very <laughs> successful show, but it was uh, choreographed by Michael Peters and directed by Michael Peters. He's the guy that choreographed Beat It and the Thriller uh, video. Uh, and and uh, let's just, while you're bringing up uh, Michael Jackson, let's just uh, say he danced with Michael Jackson in the Bad video. I know. Can you believe that? I mean, I actually worked for, with Michael Peters, who, who directed his iconic videos. And then cut to a few years later, I'm doing a show called The Mystery of Edwin Drood on Broadway. And the dance, my dance captain is this guy named Rob Marshall 
Marshall, who's now like... Rob Marshall, the famed uh, producer of Chicago. And director of Mary Poppins uh, Returns. Yes. Uh, Big cheese now. And my buddy Rob was my dance captain. And while I was doing that show, another friend of mine said, hey, come and audition for this music video. And I was like, oh, okay. They're looking for like guys who do like West Side Story type stuff. And I had already done a few West Side Stories. And I was like, well, that's me. And I went in and it was choreographed by this friend of mine, uh, Greg Burge, amazing Broadway dancer. And I got I got it, and next thing you know, we found out it was Michael Jackson's bad video. Oh, so when you auditioned, they don't tell you what it's uh, for? Not at, for this particular one. They were keeping it really quiet. The they told us at the audition, but beforehand, you know, it's, it's kind of like to protect uh, uh, sure. everybody involved. Yeah. But n- next thing you know, I'm I'm dancing in a subway station in Brooklyn. The director Scorsese. I'm dancing with Michael Jackson. I mean, come <laughs> it's on, crazy. Now something did happen, um, but we're not going to talk about that. Yet, because okay. I want to tie it in with the Hamilton with Lin Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. but it's really funny. So don't go away. You guys have to listen to this story, which we'll get to in a minute. But before we get to all of that, I want people to know that you didn't just get lucky and start making money in acting. You did what most actors do, and you got a waiter job. But (laughs) you got a waiter job at a place in New York that is extremely famous and probably could have helped you in your career. And that place is called Serendipity. That's right. How was that? What was that like? Uh, it was my first uh, waitering job out of college uh, a long time ago. And um, the guys that owned it were really great. Uh, these two gentlemen, um, and, and one has since passed away, and, and the other partner is still owns the original Serendipity, uh, Stephen. And um, they were wonderful because they really supported actors. So they hired mostly actors uh, uh, to be waiters. And they really wanted the personality. The place was, you know... A line out the door. I, I remember. Still is. Yeah, I remember waiting on 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 Cher and 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 right. Farrah Fawcett, and um and, w- and we would get fur alerts from all the ladies coming in from uh, Bloomingdale's. You know, they would come in on Saturdays after shopping at Bloomingdale's, and you know, and they'd order the uh, hot fudge sundae and then the tab. Who the orders tab. a hot fudge sundae and a diet soda? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> wait, what was it like to uh, wait on Cher? What did she order? Do you remember? Cher, you know, you know, Cher's notoriously shy, and she would show up with with chastity, or, or I'm sorry, um, Chaz. Chaz, sorry, but back then it was chastity. it was chastity. She was yeah. very young, and um, they would order the the infamous frozen hot chocolate, which was their their signature, you know, bird bath looking, uh, almost like a frozen. Uh, Chocolate, frappe, like a frappuccino almost yeah. now, you know. I think the the the, the Starbucks frappuccino was really originated at, at Serendipity. I bet you're right about yeah, that. Yeah. So that's what they would order? Yeah, they would order the frozen hot chocolate and a bunch of other things. I mean, the menu was like... Was uh, she friendly to you? Oh, really, really sweet and wonderful. Just very shy, but really lovely. So nice to hear, isn't yeah, it, Anthony? Yeah. It's nice to hear. And, and Farrah Fawcett was really nice. And she would come in with uh, her husband at the time, Ryan O'Neill. Oh, uh, nice. Not husband, Lee no, Majors. Right. But Lee Majors, she, but she was living with Ryan. Ryan that was her boyfriend yeah. of many, many years. He was and not baby so daddy. Nice. No, he was never nice. <laughs> no, but she was lovely, almost like making up for him not being so nice. So, okay, so now you worked at Serendipity how mm-hmm. long? Uh, I was there for about a year and a half. All right, and then you get an act. What was your first acting job? I know Broadway, but what was your first acting? Um, well, my I got my equity card dancing in a in a musical called Street Heat that opened up uh, Studio Fifty Four after its uh, disco heyday, because the Studio Fifty Four turned back into a theater at that point, and um, I got my uh, my my union card on that show. 
and I worked with Vicki Lewis, who was like, uh, you know, starting in those days and, you know, l- later went on to do a lot of great things here in Hollywood. And um, and Michael DiLorenzo, who also was a dancer back in the day and, and ended up doing a lot of TV and film. Um, but uh, that was a, a really fun show because it was hip hop and it was rap. And in 1984, when we did that, it was really unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first Untapped. like rap musical. Um, and, and then after that, I just started, after I got my equity card, I just started because I could sing and I could dance and I could act. I was a triple threat. So <laughs> in, 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 in New York, uh, you know, guys that, that could do all that really got to work in anything they wanted to work in. That's so cool. Now you performed with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Queen Latifah. Listen to this, Anthony. For the Oscars. He danced on the Oscars. Yeah, Tell pretty us, crazy. how was that? Um, you know, after shooting Chicago the movie, uh, uh, which was an amazing experience, then to find out that this movie that you're in is is up for an Oscar, and then to be asked to dance on the oh, Oscars. Right, there's that. He was in the movie Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be in the movie in order to dance there's, in the number from Chicago. Right, oh, not that. really, but <laughs> yeah, you kind of do. <laughs> yeah, and I remember at the beginning of, of this big dance number that we did with them, and 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 actually, Catherine was pregnant when she did it. Uh, she, did anyone know she was pregnant? She or was she showing pregnant? She was showing. By the time we did the Oscars, she was showing pregnant. When when she, when she did the movie, she was not showing, obviously. But I think she might have been pregnant at that point. Anyway, um, I was I started up on top of the uh, of a piano, and, and we were getting ready to shoot the Oscars. And I look into the wings, and there's John Travolta giving me the thumbs up. And I go, like, oh. "What kind of world am I in right now? <laughs> Holy moly! I'm getting the thumbs up from John Travolta, and I'm dancing on the Oscars. Crazy! It is kind of surreal, right? It was great. Oh goodness gracious! Okay. So now he goes back to Broadway and gets this unbelievable show with Lin-Manuel Miranda in the Heights. Tell us about that. That was a big, your first really big Broadway production, yes? Yeah. I mean, I had, before that, I had pretty much done uh, chorus work and understudied the lead. That's what I mean. You know, yeah, without a doubt. It was my first big lead role on Broadway. And um, it's funny because I got a call from an an, an old dancer friend of mine. All my old dancer friends are now big big cheeses on on Broadway. Uh, Sergio Trujillo, who choreographed uh, Jersey Boys and On Your Feet and a dozen other Broadway shows. He called me up out of the blue and say, hey, listen, I'm doing this little workshop of this little show called In the Heights. And and I know it's not any money, but you got to listen to the music. And I listened to the CD and I said, dude, I got to do this. I got to do the show. And uh, I did a little workshop of it, met Lynn when he was in 2005, when he was just, you know, out of college trying to get the show going. And wasn't he from the area that this play was set in? Yeah, they say right, right, they say right about what you know. And he literally started writing this in college about his neighborhood in Washington Heights where he grew up and uh, it, it's it's sort of autobiographical but but not really a lot of the characters are just people that he knew from the neighborhood and um, and of course back then when I did this little workshop it was Tommy Kale who directed uh, Hamilton and in the Heights Alex Lacamoire who's been his orchestrator and arranger and, and musical genius in, in, in cahoots with Lynn uh, all those people were working on on in the Heights and uh, I just fell in love with them and and I said listen whenever this goes if it ever goes to Broadway I want to be a part of it and uh, I was doing Mamma Mia in Vegas at the t- uh, at the time that it went to New York and oh God I'd love to see you in a Mamma Mia outfit <laughs> oh I got ah, pictures I got pictures with that those big heels um, <laughs> I, I, I'll show you photos and you'll laugh uh, <laughs> 
I'm laughing and I haven't even seen the photos. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I got to play Sam Carmichael, which was a lot of fun. And while I was doing that, the show uh, went off Broadway and then it went to Broadway. I got to audition for it, for the Broadway production, but they said, Rick, we've hired Priscilla Lopez and we just think you look too young to play the dad. And at the time, you know, what's that, 10, 12 years ago, I actually didn't really look my age. I've always looked younger than, than my age. And I was really bummed. But as luck would have it, uh, eight, nine months later, the guy that they did hire, a good friend of mine, um, um, lost his voice. He, he was having vocal issues. And, um, and, and they finally, you know, he went in and out of the show and they finally had to replace him. And then they, they called me and a few other guys to audition. Imagine that, having to audition again. But it's the, it's the, the way Broadway. The yeah, yep. it's the Broadway thing. And I went and auditioned, got the part, and ended up playing it for two years on Broadway. How great is that? Yeah. Now, do you guys do eight shows? Shows a week or is it nine? Eight shows a week. Eight shows a week. How is that? Um, you do you know, ever get bored? I don't. And do, it's, do some people? Some people do. A okay. lot of people do. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just after you know after six months of eight shows a week of the same thing, it becomes a bit of a grind. They lose their their purpose. Um, they want to do something else. I'm a I'm a weird kind of actor, I, and I've 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 finally realized this you know late in my <laughs> my years that I you know I. I don't really like TV and film. I mean, yes, it's great work, but, uh, you know, you don't get a lot of rehearsal time. And then the next thing you know, it's done. You shot it. And, you know, and me as an actor, I'm like, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. You know, all the regret comes Everybody's in. second guesses. Always. Oh, yeah. But at, at, in theater, you always get a second chance. You always get to go back and do it better and better. And I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So... So Going, the eight shows a week are good for you. Oh, they're great for me. I look, I get better in a show like a year after, even two years after. I'm finding new things. I for some reason I like it. I like the continuity. I like knowing that I have a gig. You like the structure. Yeah, I yeah, do. I understand. Especially that. after being an actor for so long and being so unstructured, I love having a steady gig and a steady paycheck. No <laughs> kidding, huh? And, a, and a, with a huge show. Yeah. Okay, so but you not only are still doing your Broadway, you're now into the TV. Part you're acting, you're getting little roles on Frasier, Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. But I'm thinking your heart is always with Broadway. No, oh, yeah, is that where it is for you? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, yeah, I did. I, I did some stuff here in L.A. and I, I did. I had a nice little voiceover career too, and, and a bunch of commercials, and that was great and wonderful. But the stuff that makes me really happy is is the theater, without a doubt, and having this live audience there and, 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 and feeding off of them and reacting to them. Have you ever made a mistake? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what My first time going completely up on stage, I was doing Riff and West Side Story, and I was seeing the cool... And I remember saying, boy, boy, crazy boy, stay loose, boy, and forgot the lyric. And I went, I started scatting. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of at the time. And then finally, I like hooked into the next, you know, stanza of lyrics. Do you get in trouble when that happens? Does the director freak? No. I mean, and come on. Cast you... are cool? Well, everybody, suddenly when that happens on stage, everybody wakes up. <laughs> and everybody. Everybody's heart starts pounding and their eyes get really wide. And, 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 and you know, there's nothing there's nothing that wakes up a show as much as somebody going up. And you, know, you don't get in trouble because it, it does happen occasionally, you know, and every, everybody's human. Nobody screams at you. Uh, it, it happened to me uh, uh, doing Mamma Mia once. Um, it's luckily never happened to me um, um, 
are doing uh, in the Heights. It, I did maybe forget a line and then just improvise it. It's different when you're in doing a play because you know the story. And if you forget a line, you can basically make it up and continue the story. When you're in a song and you forget your lyric. Oh, dude. God help you. <laughs> God Man. help you. That's that's why you and know there are no teleprompters. With no, the <laughs> I was just about to say you know that's no that's why Frank Sinatra had teleprompters towards the end because you oh, you Man. forget a lyric and you're gone. You you know what? Many of famous singers forget their lyrics. Oh yeah. Even Cindy Lauper has said she has forgotten her lyrics. I mean, it happens. It happens, and especially when you get really comfortable. You know that lyric so well, you don't even have to think about it. Right. That's the kiss of death right there. That's the kiss of death. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so you stay in New York. You live in New York. You do Broadway. And then what happens? Do you get injured? Does something happen to make you leave and move to L.A.? What happened? It was kind of like a, a, a... a crossroads for me. I was always the the understudy, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Uh, they just knew me in New York as the guy who could do everything. He can un- he can do the dance roles. He can understudy the leads. He's a bigger commodity there than actually putting him in the role. And at the time, uh, it was the early '90s. A lot of TV and, and, and soap stars were doing Broadway, uh, you know, doing lead roles on Broadway. And I was like, well, I, I got to get out to L.A. and, you know, get a Take name. And, and yeah, well, <laughs> Take their jobs. And, and get a bit of a name so I can come back to New York and then get the leads. And, it, and then my agent at the time said, well, I'm, I'm moving to L.A. And then I had a buddy of mine that had done – the last show I did was The Goodbye Girl with Martin Short and Bernadette Peters in, 90, in 93 or 94 around there. Ooh, I'm dating myself. Um, and I had done that show, and a buddy of mine in that show said, well, I've got an apartment in New York – I mean, L.A., and I'm moving out. And it was like, wow, my agent's moving out there. A buddy has got an apartment. I, it's perfect. I got I to gotta go. And I came out here and... What did uh, you expect? Did you expect the red carpet to roll out and oh you to just be God. this famous actor out here? Well, not really. I mean, at that point, I had been doing Broadway for a right? while. I was, uh, I, had, I was already 30. I had a pretty big Broadway resume. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm pretty realistic about it. But I came out and I thought... Something's going to happen. I got this great resume, and literally, it was crickets. Yeah, because um, yeah, out here they look at a Broadway resume and they go, "Yeah, but what have you done in TV and film?" Right. And I had done nothing. But then you had to become a masseuse. <laughs> uh, then you had to become a therapist. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, uh, you had to do event consulting. Yeah. I mean, you had to do what young kids do when they move to California or to Los Angeles, Hollywood, and they want to be stars. You got to pay your dues. Yeah. But yet, you'd already paid your dues. Yeah, so I basically paid my dues twice. That's exactly right, which is why <laughs> I am thrilled to say it paid off. Because now we get to the best ever. Here he is, fumbling around here in L.A. many, many years later. He's worked. He's done voiceover. He's done Broadway. He's continuing to try to do his acting, but he's also doing regular jobs, like you and me. I mean, just regular jobs. And then Lin-Manuel comes knocking at your door again. <laughs> so why don't you tell everybody what happened? Okay, so, <laughs> yep, I had been knocking around for a while, and after, especially after In the Heights. And, um, and, of course, when I came to L.A., one of the great, wonderful things about it was that I met my wife. That's right. 
And uh, I, 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 we met working at it for a catering company. She was an actress at the time. Yes, and a dancer. And a dancer. Mm-hmm. And, and um, amazing dancer, by the she way. She really was. Yeah. Jazz. Yeah, uh, really amazing. And uh, when we met, it was it was just, it really was meant to be. We'd go out dancing and people were like, how long have you guys been together? Weeks. <laughs> and, and, and they were saying, it feels like you've been together for years. Um, we well, really now clicked. it's true. Yeah, yeah, now it is true. Yes, we have been together for years. And right around the time we got married, she, she got out of show business and started her interior design business, and it's going great, and she's amazing at it. And uh, she's been so supportive of me, and, you know, it's not easy being married to an actor. But uh, this has been amazing. Anyway, so to get back to the real story, we, we were in New York when Hamilton was in previews on Broadway. And, of course, I knew all the players, so I, I emailed Lynn. And I said, hey, want to come see you? And he goes, oh, we have the same company manager that we did in, in the Heights. Give him a call. So I did, got tickets. We saw the show. And I saw it, and, and of course, it blew me away. And then I, immediately the actor in me was like, what role can I do? The king. Maybe Washington. And that's it, because everybody else is super young. <laughs> so I started campaigning right after that. Uh, with... I, I was campaigning for you. <laughs> Remember? You. Yes, you were. I was tweeting with Lynn. Yes, you were. Back and forth, telling him you needed to be the king. So everybody should know that thanks to Lisa Stanley. <laughs> no, not me. But I did, I did definitely go after it, because remember, yeah. I was lucky enough myself to see Lin-Manuel in the role of Hamilton. First week it had opened. Okay, there I, you have it. I told it. you, and I showed you the tweets back and forth right. with him and I right because I was really campaigning for you to be here when Hamilton opened in LA yeah I wanted you to have that role little did I know he didn't get that because he got something way better <laughs> true well it's funny you're right I did I did go hard for it after that and they hired a wonderful guy, uh, Rory O'Malley, who did it on Broadway. He got the national tour, and and that's one great thing about the producers of Hamilton. They're really loyal, and they wait. I thought it was uh, uh, the Goff dude. What's his name? That uh... well, uh, Jonathan Groff yes. did originally on Broadway, right? And then Anthony Rennells took over for a brief period, okay. and then and then um, the original guy off Broadway. Uh, came back to do it on Broadway and, and Brian Darcy James and he's amazing and and then um, and then I think after Brian or somewhere in there Rory O'Malley who had done Book of Mormon uh, also uh, got to do it on Broadway and then they offered him the national tour because I think he was living in LA at the time and so it made sense and 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 Rory did the did the original first national so all, they had all these people already in the show so even though I was making uh, you know we uh, were begging. We were begging. Yes, we <laughs> Let's were. Let's just yes. call it I was the making, way it was. <laughs> yeah, I was emailing everybody begging for, for, for a gig. And it, and it wasn't coming my way. And it was because all these people were already in the pipeline. And, I, of course, I didn't know that. I just thought, oh, they don't like me. They really don't like me. I would have thought the me. same thing, too. Yeah. And, and so I kept bugging them. I kept sending emails and, and sending them self-tapes of me. And, and lo and behold after Maria and then Lynn announced that he was going to do ham- come back to the role and do the show in Puerto Rico when that happened when he came out with that of course I was crossing my fingers for that particular company but even when you audition they won't tell you what company they're considering you for and they had at that time five companies of Hamilton uh, around touring companies yeah mm-hmm. yeah well New York and Chicago are, are, are sit downs but yeah exactly and, and London so uh, th- there were a lot of places I could have gotten plugged into but i'm i'm sure that when when lynn you know decided to do puerto rico that 
somewhere in there. You were the only one he was thinking about, my Absolutely. friend. Absolutely. There's because no question. What a coup to get the one guy who's from there. And grew to, up there. And to do, yeah, and in started fact, there. In fact, you grew up just blocks away from where the theater was that you performed in Puerto Rico. Four blocks away. And in fact, you used to walk with your grandfather and shop <laughs> for fruits and meats right along that same row. Yep. How, I mean, gives me chills. And I, when I was at the theater one day, I walked to down six blocks away down a, a little street to the building that my grandfather built that's still there. It's owned by my cousin, pretty much. And the building, I mean, you know, when I was a baby and I was, you know, all my life, that's where my dad lived, in the first floor of that building. And all the memories of that neighborhood and the church that I used to go to with my dad, with my grandfather, was down the street from the theater. It, it just, it boggled the mind to be back in my homeland. It, it was playing, great. I might say... The best role in the entire play. I know it's called Hamilton, and I know Lin-Manuel is fantastic, but there's no better character in that play than King George, my friend. It's crazy. People come up to me after the show and go, you're my favorite role. I love the king. Oh my, Everybody's great, but the king. No, you stand out, and here's the most unbelievable part. Have you seen the play, Anthony? No, I haven't. Okay, so here you got to see it. When Absolutely. it comes back. The, uh, you the you got an in now, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to understand, for those of you who haven't seen Hamilton yet, that the king shows up on stage, what, four times? Yeah. Four times. Pretty much. With 45-minute separations. So you'll see Rick come out as the king maybe 10 minutes into the show, and then there's a 40-minute break, and he'll come out for two minutes, and then he'll go back again. But those two to three minutes are solid frickin' gold. <laughs> I mean, to tell Thank you... Thank you, Lin-Manuel Miranda, for writing me some gold, He baby. wrote a part for whoever got that role, they were going to be the king, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Whether you're King George or King Rick, it was definitely <laughs> going to be uh, the role for you. All I know is you're now playing the role, you're going on, you finish your Puerto Rico uh, run, and you're going on now to do the company in San Francisco for one year, which is phenomenal and uh, who knows maybe you'll end up here uh, but what we're going to do is uh, we're going to tell a little story which we told a little bit of it earlier how you danced with Michael Jackson in the video Bad but you did something bad in the video <laughs> that came back to haunt you uh -huh. when you and Lynn got back together call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, okay, okay. I love this story so much. You have got to tell what happened from the beginning, how it even came into your mind to do what you did, and tell the whole story about what Lynn did when he found out, how he went to Target, the whole story, please. Okay, okay. <laughs> so it's 2005. I'm doing this little workshop at the O'Neill Center up in New London, Connecticut, and uh, we're in the cafeteria, 
And uh, I'm, you know, I'm just not the guy when you sit down with me, I don't start telling oh, you my wait, resume. don't know, but before you tell about the Lynn part, uh-huh. tell what you actually did when you filmed the video bad. Okay. So this way everyone understands how it relates. Okay, now we're going back to 1986. Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, I, good. Maybe, and maybe this particular dance was very popular in 1986. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the funny thing. Um, we're doing the video, and it was supposed the to be- bad video bad with video Michael Jackson. At the Hoyt Skirmer subway station in Brooklyn and uh, it's Scorsese directing and Michael da- dancing which means that we're doing at least 25 takes of every setup uh, they're both uh, incredible perfectionists and um, this was supposed to be a two week shoot it ended up being four weeks oh boy yeah it was and we, you know and Michael's like no again again and Scorsese's like no again 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 he <laughs> thought he was shooting a feature film and this was a music video well with Michael though that's it, how it was and they were feature films yes. right because they had that whole beginning part and, and remember middle and an end. And Wesley Snipes, it was his first big thing. I mean, then later had an incredible career after that. But anyway, um, we're shooting this one segment and they're saying, okay, you're improvising and 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 and, and a few guys are in the front and then you switch with the guys in the back and the guys in the back come forward and you improvise. So there's this whole improvised dance sequence. And in one of the 25 takes, I decide to do the funky chicken. <laughs> it's brief, but it's there. And th- immediately after I do the funky chicken and they say cut, I went, oh no, I did the funky chicken. Surely the they'll what? cut that out. Yeah. Surely that'll be edited out. That'll be the one that'll never make it. No, that's the one they used. <laughs> and it will be forever viewed as Rick doing the funky chicken in the bad video. And did you ever think that it would come back to haunt you in the Never. way that it did? Never. This this has been the thing that just won't let go of me. And and, and you know at this point I love it. it it's it's just nostalgic. Right, it's so fun. So now fast forward to you and Lynn. Go ahead. 2005 at the uh, at, at at the um, cafeteria at the O'Neill. We're sitting around having lunch. And I just happened to mention that I'm in the bad video and Lynn's face lights up because, of course, he was a kid when the bad video came out. It was his you know, favorite video. And he said, you're in the bad video with Michael Jackson? He left. He immediately got in the rental car that they had and he went directly to Target, bought the DVD, came right back. <laughs> Plugged it into his uh, into his his Mac and he goes okay 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 where are you where are you point me out point point your stuff out I say okay here I am in the game no way here I am uh, I'm dancing right next to Michael here oh my God Lynn's freaking out and then I said oh and then there's that one point where we did uh and I did that one take where I did the funky chicken you see right there oh and they used it you know I'm just embarrassed but I tell him about it but you it. pointed it out I pointed it out and boy did he love that. Did he, he loved it so much that you cut to 2009, no, 2008, when I when I did my first performance of Hamilton, I mean, of in, in the Heights on Broadway, and I'm going on for the first time. I've had a week of rehearsal, and literally, I my 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 first thing is I walk into the little bodega and Lynn's playing Usnavi, and I say and I sing to him, "Good morning, Usnavi," and he looks at me and says. Pan caliente, café con leche, and does the funky chicken as he says it. <laughs> My first time on stage, and he's trying to crack me up. <laughs> did you Did you lose it? I did not. I'm a professional. But inside, I was going, you son of a biscuit eater. Oh, my God. I... 
hate you and love you so much. <laughs> and did he do it again when you? No, no, he, he didn't he, do it again. No, he 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 realized oh. that was comedy gold for him right oh, there. Oh God, and that's he, so good. And to this day, I won't let him let it, uh, let him forget it. And he hasn't done that to you as King George, though, has he? No. Come out. <laughs> well, here's the here's the wonderful thing about King George. I'm alone on stage. I have nobody to work with except one little page uh, comes out and whispers in my ear at my, in my last song. But that's it. I can have onions. I can do whatever because I don't have to speak to anybody. Isn't that the greatest? <laughs> now you play your King George uh, kind of Trumpy. I do. I, I love do. that. Um, and in what way? Explain. Hmm. Uh, when they told me, uh, you know, the, the trap for King George is to make him too much of a buffoon. And um, and and so in many ways, in, in, if you do research about King George, he was not a an, he was not a stupid person. Yes, he he did go mad towards the end of his life. And well, he, give us our the lines, the two favorite lines of yours, because they're so great. <laughs> Please. Yes, he says um, his first song is "You'll Be Back," and he's talking about to the colonies that you know they they want to separate, but no, you know he's he's telling them you know you can't leave me. I am the only one that can leave you, and there's that confidence and that hubris that the king has and then at one point he says because when push comes to shove i will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love <laughs> <laughs> now that's, that's saying i love you isn't oh, it? like <laughs> nothing else about the end? <laughs> and then at the end he says and when push comes to shove i will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. <laughs> yes. That's the best. You got the best character, the best lines, and I love that you put a little Trumpy spin on him because it's so fitting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he is 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 so confident and so clueless at the same time, and that to me was oh, well that's that's what's going on right now. That's what's going on right now. <laughs> exactly. Somebody who's extremely confident and extremely clueless. Exactly. And and then and then, you know, Luckily, in the show, uh, the, he he then he then loses the colonies and 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 then finds a way to spin it to make it. Oh well, you know. Okay, so you've left me now. How are you going to rule? You know, because you know nothing about ruling. And of course, they get it completely right. Um, and I just can't wait. You know, for 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 um, the comeuppance to come to our. 45. You and me. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> All right, so give us a little glimpse into what it's like back, backstage because I remember when I saw, I've seen the play twice. I saw it here in Los Angeles and I saw it in, uh, in New York. It, it seems like they're changing costumes 50,000 times during this uh, show. Is I'm, that? Without a doubt, yeah. And, and, I'm possibly the only character that doesn't have to change off stage. Right. So I get what to go back to my dressing back room. There. Oh my god! Is it chaos? The the, the 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 choreography you see on stage is one half of because there's choreography happening backstage. That's what I want to know. And on Broadway, where it's a small theater, I mean, it is unbelievably tight back there, and they have all the costumes and quick change booths in the wings. How many people in the production? On stage, um, I think. Oh, I, I might be wrong. Well, on stage, uh, no, there's about 26 between the dancers and the principals. 
I think I'm right about that number, but I might be wrong. Anyway, but then there's a bunch of understudies right. uh, and standby, so uh, that that goes up to about thirty something, and then backstage because it looks like there's about hundred people on stage. Yeah, I'm not kidding you. Yeah, yeah, and and it's, it's got beca- such a big feel, and we never stop going in. There's people upstairs and downstairs. I mean, all the, all the um, the leads do a lot of uh, ensemble type work in what we call the surround to kind of make it feel like it's populous. It's it's huge. Yeah. I mean, you feel it's, so huge in there, and so how quickly can they get changed? Oh, literally, there's some changes where they literally come off stage and there's a, a, a dresser waiting there with their clothing, all rigged with snaps and Velcro, where they're literally, they strip right there, and we've got undergarments on, nobody's getting naked backstage, but they strip right there, and they, I mean, and literally, in some cases, have to take off the white socks to put on the black socks, and it's a whole complete change of clothes and we're wow. talking vests and cravats and see that's talent to me in itself right there yeah and there's there's choreography that. backstage not only with the dressers and, and the dancers and the principals but then you also have the the, the sets cu- that are being hung uh, above your head and they come down they come in they go up there's all this stuff so you can't stand in this spot during a certain spot because the table's coming down you know you really got to know where you're supposed to stand backstage or otherwise you get trampled or wow, or, 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 or a piece of scenery this falls on top they, of you. They call these things a production. Mm-hmm. Um, so while you were walking in here to uh, the studio to do the podcast, our midday girl at K-Earth, where I work and do my morning show, not mm. my morning show, but the morning show, um, she had asked you a question, which I thought was a great question. Because your character is not on stage the entire time, and because you have 40 minutes in between uh, your, your appearances, what do you do with your time back there? And you were telling her something that I thought was very interesting. Yeah, um, I had, when I did In the Heights, uh, my character had a nice big break in the middle. And uh, when I was doing it, uh, I, I tended to read. I love to read. And one time I was so engrossed in a really good book that I almost missed my cue. And after that one time, I never read again backstage. And I would do stretches and I'd do other things, but I would not do anything that would engross me so much that I would miss a cue. So I knew that I would have all this time with Hamilton. I, I heard that Jonathan Groff w- would read uh, a lot and there's other people other other uh, actors that I know that some people uh, have gone back to school and they study during their breaks um I, I decided um, I'd love to exercise be- between, but I can't get my costume all sweaty. So, And I got a wig on that I can't really take off in the middle of the show. So uh, working out was not going to be really the way to go. And I, my wife said, well, listen, with this new opportunity, you really social need... Social media. Social media. That's you your time to... to do your social media. And I'm media. the worst because I'm an oldie. <laughs> you know, it's like Twitter. I don't even know how to tweet. I mean, I, honestly, I just I think I have 25 followers right now on Twitter. Because well, I just opened more. it like a week ago, <laughs> but but th- th- thanks. It's to- all about hashtags. It is, and I'm, okay. I'm learning. I'm learning. Just and keep hashtagging Hamilton and King George. And Lin-Manuel Miranda. I know yes. if I hashtag him, I'll yes. be fine. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I decided to take that time during the show to focus on social media. So then I'm not uh, on social media the rest of the day. But you could be carried away in your social media and miss a cue, right? 
Yeah, but it's not as engrossing as as for me as a story. Like if you're reading a book, okay, you know, you still, you know, you just it's just little snippets of time, and I'm and and you've got the show blaring, you know, out of the speaker in your dressing room the whole time. So that to me feels safe. Okay, I'm, I'm good. not going to get so engrossed in the social media that I'm going to miss my cue. How many costumes do you? I know you have one costume. How many of them do you have? Like four or five different sets of the king? No, actually, the 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 king suit, which is the red. suit, suit with the, the gold trim and uh, so much detail to it. So fabulous. I just have one and it's really? made it's made out of silk. But what happens if it gets dirty? Well, they clean it. They clean what it. What if it rips? They'll fix it. It's How very they only expensive. Have one? They have one for me. They have I have multiple shirts, I have multiple accessories, but the ah. actual pants, vest and and suit jacket they only have one. They have others from other productions that if there is an issue, they can get a hold of. And my understudies have their own costume. Ah, okay. So there are redundancies, but not many. And um, and luckily, I take really good care of my costume because I know it's it's expensive piece of, of costume. Because it's the king. It's Hello? the king. <laughs> and, and, and it's silk. So I can't. I, the minute I get off stage, I go back to my dressing room and I take it off. So you're not sweaty. And I, it, it gets wrinkled, especially if I'm sitting in it. And yeah. it gets the pants get wrinkled and and it's just they said it's the best thing to do is take it off and hang it up which I do so I'm I'm putting the thing on and off throughout the show oh and you're taking it off while you're in your 45 minute break yes yes I could I could stay in it but if I'm sitting, I'm going to get it's these get awful creases. And stand up. And yeah, 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 it's going to look terrible. So rather than that, uh, I, I do that, and then and then I, at the end of the show, I go into parchment, which is when um, the actors go be, become part of the uh, acting company, and they're no longer their character. And at the end of the show, I go and I, I take my wig off, and I go. So I have the white or the cream colored suit and I then of course have boots for that and then for the king I have these very shiny buckly they're so great. black shoes yeah all right uh, lastly this has to be the highest honor that you have ever had in your life and I mean people this is the biggest tell everybody what happened with the New Yorker <laughs> Well, uh, I've got to give a big shout out to uh, the Hamilton uh, PR people because they, in Puerto Rico, kept me so busy. I had in, I had uh, interviews with CBS this uh, Sunday morning uh, and, and CBS this morning, and then I had a thing on New York One. And then the last thing, they said, hey, listen, uh, we have the New Yorkers going to interview you in Puerto Rico. And I was like... The New the magazine The New Yorker. Yeah, hello. <laughs> yes, and so they interviewed me. It was a wonderful article, and lo and behold, it came out, and I got a caricature. Hello, Z. Who gets that? I have a New Yorker caricature. I I can I can retire now. No, I, I, I don't know about retire. <laughs> no, no, Leslie won't let me. <laughs> but that is the highest honor without a doubt that one can get. Did Lynn even get one for his Hamilton? Did he Probably. even have one? I have no I don't idea. I remember seeing his character. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Lynn's okay. He's got plenty. I mean, uh, he's uh, he's doing great. But I, I you know, it's funny. I'm going to ask him. Ask uh, him and let me know. Listen, yeah. good luck in San Francisco. Anyone Thanks. who's in San Francisco, going to San Francisco, I beg of you, get a ticket to see Hamilton. If not for nothing else, to see the King, because it really is the best. And let's help you out with your social media. Why don't you give out your handle? 
handles. Do you know uh, them? I do. Okay. I do. I started it. My new Instagram account is First Puerto Rican King, uh, the number one ST Puerto Rican King uh, on Instagram. And my Twitter account is at Rick Negron 3. There you go. And I'm uh, Lisa Stanley 30 on the gram, as y'all know. And uh, that's a wrap, baby. Thanks. We're rolling back the red carpet now. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.